Good day, folks. Welcome to another edition of Cracking the Code. My name is Ryan Skinner, and today I have a nice guest with me, Julie Schneers. Do the name correct, Julie. You got it. You got it. Great job. <laughs> That's very rare. Julie, thank you so much for being on here. Absolutely. It's so important to have strong, empowering women. And I know oftentimes those words are used as kind of corny, I think. But then there's other times where really the rubber hits the road. We have a lot of gals that listen and watch a lot of them I'm friends with, and they constantly say, you know, Ryan, I wish you was a strong woman role model or somebody to share with me. You know, sometimes it is okay not to have it together. See, guys try to fake it until they make it in a lot of ways, <laughs> but guys don't have as much responsibility oftentimes. Nowadays, in today's society, oftentimes women are carrying a career, running a house, running a family, and guys get off easy. I'll be honest, I get off easy. My job is to bring in money and be a good dad, play when I'm around. Um, there's a lot of it. I get to be selfish a lot, whereas very really as a as a wife or a woman, even a single woman, but especially if you're a mother, it's very really can you be selfish in any capacity? And there's always that saying, well, you just fake it till you make it. And that I think that's a quick way to drive ourselves nuts. And we were just talking earlier, and you, you really focus yeah. on dispelling that mindset. And where'd that start? I, well, thank you. First of all, thanks so much for your kind compliments. And there's nothing that I'm more passionate about than helping others. Uh, I was actually a high school teacher for 13 years. And so when you talk about where, where did fake it tell you make it come from that, it's a really actually long answer. And so when you say a woman who is powerful and helps with confidence, I actually am an executive leadership coach and consultant. And I do a ton of coaching around confidence. A ton of my clients are women um, that are in leadership roles that are doing exactly what you said. They're trying to balance all of those pieces, which can be super challenging. Uh, but when I when I go back to just being fully real and transparent, I'm a confidence coach now, but it's something that I struggled with for a ton of my life. I think it's still, it'll be a challenge forever because you're, you're always growing. Uh, but it really did start when I was really young. Uh, I was five, six in the fifth grade. I, which, I mean, my daughter's five, six now. So there's a lot of beautiful to that. I'm not uh, knocking it, but it was hard. It was challenging when all the guys, you know, come up to your, under your shoulder and you're, you know, your friends are 4'11". So when you're trying to have conversations, you're, you're swooped down and it just really does build a persona for you. Not to say that, you know, your confidence is only in your posture. And if you're tall, you can't have that. It's, it's truly the things that we feed ourselves. Um, so by the time I got to high school, I stumbled upon a speech and debate coach, which is what I ended up coaching in high school for 13 years. Uh, I came upon a speech and debate coach who just told me, you know what, Julie, you just need to fake it till you make it. And that was kind of just like his go get him. And I, I realized after a lot of reflection and, you know, 20 years later that his heart is not figure it out uh, and pretend that you're somebody you're not because I want you to not suck. It really was that he believed in me, but I clung so tightly to the idea of fake it till you make it because I've walked into a lot of hard rooms where I had convinced myself, I don't know that I am able to show up here well. I don't feel like I belong. I'm not sure that I'm enough. Uh, I'm not sure that I'm good enough. Uh, and, and there's a lot of things besides my height that led into the lies that I fed myself that really destroyed my confidence. As every person, not just women, can sit on this and listen to, yeah, things happened to me in my life that I struggled with too, right? Like we all have our thing. Um, and it really does depend on how you handle it and how you pivot when you hit those struggles. When I struggled to pivot, he gave me that. And it was a place in my life that I needed something to cling to. So when I started doing, you know, really, I, I started doing pageantry in my senior year in high school, stumbled into it on accident. Uh, and even then I remember walking into pageants going, there's no way I'm pretty enough for this. There's no way that I'm fit enough for this. Um, how did I get talked into this? Uh, and uh, you know what? I'm just going to fake it. I'm just going to pretend that I've got this together and I'll walk out there like I know I'm supposed to be here. And that idea helped get me through. And it won me a lot of pageants. It won me a lot of things in life. Um, and so then it was just something that I shared as I saw other people struggle. So fast forward, I'm a high school speech and debate coach, uh, which is funny because I have three degrees. None of them are education. So I had to go back for that one. <laughs> uh, but I told my students a lot, 
hey, you know what? Just fake it till you make it. They'd say, Schneers, I don't know that I'm ready for that room. Like, well, I think you are. So you know what? You just fake it till you make it. I, if I said it once, Ryan, I said a thousand times. And I've already made a public apology on my podcast, The People Priority, uh, to every student, thousands of them that I ever said, you know what? Just fake it till you make it. Because after a lot of deep dive, and I think this is where challenge, a challenging time in my life meets the challenge that we all need to be taking ourselves to level up meets. When I did some digging and I looked into why did I need fake it till you make it? And what was I hearing and believing instead? And what was it that would have been healthier for me to cling to? That's where I came up with uh, believe it as you brave it. So as a keynote speaker, uh, this is probably one of my newest, most exciting speeches that I give uh, because there's a lot of us, and you and I were talking about it, That I, so I want to ask you, uh, there's a lot of us that struggle with this. What is your fake it till you make it link? I would say my fake it till you make it was, at a young age, I had no self-esteem. And in college, and when I got in this business originally, but to be very honest with you, my big moment with that was... When I got sober and I, um, here I was a guy with track marks on my arms for being a heroin addict. Here I was a guy who had been to prison and here I was now, and I didn't do a lot of prison time, but the point being is most people in my industry, I don't ever, and now I'm walking into like conferences with other advisors, most of which I do 20 times the production of, or I'm mm -hmm. walking into rooms where I can help people and I know the stuff inside and out, but here I am feeling so much less than, I don't pronounce my R's, mm -hmm. I speak fast, I mumble. And I was so scared of all that. I just would try to just keep quiet, fly into the radar, yeah. and just do enough. And then it wasn't until I one day said, you know what? Screw this. Like, life's too short. I, I don't care that I speak fast. I don't care that I don't pronounce ours. I don't care. At first, I was going to take a speaking coach class. And then I realized I don't care. The, the, it's working. My friend makes fun of um, some of the grammar I have on one of my voicemails. It's, uh -huh. it's, it's not proper. And he says, you got to fix this. You sound stupid, this and that. And I said, well, you know what I can spell? And I and I won't use the word, but I spell out what I made the year before. Every time he breaks them on me, I say, can you spell that? And I spell X amount of figures. And just to give my heart, <laughs> because I've got self-esteem around the fact that I'm not great in those areas. Yeah. yeah. And I'm okay with it now. And it's not a fake it. But yeah, for so long, I would go yeah. out to a workshop and try to pronounce and speak with an R. Because I didn't want to sound ignorant. Now, I don't want to sound like an animal. Don't get me wrong. But I also sure. don't want to just be super not authentic authentic, and sit right. there and fabricate who I am. So it's that fine line. It is a fine I like line. Okay. Idea, believe it as you brave it. Because then you, for, for me, I, I get in front of a room. I can try to speak a little better, a little slower without being somebody. I'm not just try to slow Ryan down a little so that people can follow easier. Sure. And so that's really, I like the whole thing about like, because yeah. it's scary as hell. I mean, you know. Yeah. Well, you know where I learned that maybe I was not the only one. I'm glad that you have a story too that links to it because uh, in my mind, it was just me. You know what I mean? Like I learned that, oh, this is not just me that has been clinging to the ideas that came from fake it till you make it. Uh, when I posted a picture on my social media, which I'm on Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn, and I posted it all in all the places and all the places I got way more comments than I thought I would. Uh, it's a picture of me in this beautiful blue sequence dress. I am a, I believe that I'm a senior in high school and my dad, so my dad is a farmer. I grew up in a small town, a uh, sweet man who does not put jeans on unless, I mean, he only, he doesn't put a suit on unless you just absolutely make him. He is a jeans kind of guy, uh, as most farmers I know are. But this picture, I'm standing with him and he's escorting me. And I don't even remember where we are. Maybe it was at a pageant, but he is in a full suit. And I put that picture and I thought, man, there's so much that that represents. And I, I made myself think through what that was. Well, one uh, funny story about that dress is it was completely backless. So I had to hold it up with body tape. And if you're a woman, you understand what, what that means. And when it's full sequence, <laughs> that means body tape. When you get hot, you're like, oh gosh, right? So I'm adjusting myself right before I, I walked on stage at one point uh, and I'm at a pageant and this little boy screams, oh, I hope she wins because I didn't realize half of the audience could see me adjust myself and my body tape uh, right before I went on stage. So that the dress brings up that fun memory. It brings up the fact that I went to prom in that dress also oh, wow. with a girlfriend. 
because I, I could only have friends that wanted to go with me. No guy wanted to ask me to prom. I never had a date to prom. So that brings up that memory. Um, another memory that that brings up is just a thankfulness that my dad suited up for whatever reason, right? Like, so I'm just, I'm writing like 10 full fun facts about this stress and this memory. But one of the things that I wrote was, I felt pretty in the stress in a time in my life I did not feel pretty when I wasn't confident. And then I got like 108 comments of people that knew me then and now that were like, what? I had no idea you had a confidence problem. And I'm like, where were you living? Under a rock? Like, no, how could you have- true. People don't see it. I'll tell you this. I was so shy in high school. I never asked a girl on a date. Not a prom, not anything. It's whoever asked me, I went with. And I will tell you this. I was just painfully awkward and shy. People will hear that. Even now, like, you know, being single again, like people say, oh, what, would you do dating? I'm like, no, I just, I'm just, I'll come across. I feel like God will put the right people on my path. They'll ask me if I want to hang out. Like that's, it's sure. such, it's such an awkward thing for some people. But at that point in our lives, like I remember high school being so oh. awkward. And so, and there was always that one outfit you had though, that you felt okay in. Sure, sure. To, but, and it's funny because I would never picture you. Not, nobody would, you're, you're a beauty pageant girl, you know? Mm-hmm. But the funny part is, People don't know the pain that you hide. I almost feel like people like that, um, almost some of us that have had more successes, it hides a lot more scars. Well, you're absolutely right about that, right? For the same reason that so many people are like, I had no idea. And I'm wondering how the heck they had no idea. So when I start deep digging into why, why can you not see, why did you not see that I struggled then? Why are you meeting me now in my life and you think that I have it all together when I don't? And, and I'm looking at, oh my gosh, this is like the crux of my problems because I'm sitting in a space in my life where I'm struggling, but I'm trying to hold my head up high. I'm trying to, to seem like I'm fine. Uh, even now it, when I'm struggling, I'm trying to hold my head up high and I'm trying to hold it all together. And you know what happens when you fake it hard enough? People believe that crap, right? Like yeah, if yeah. you just continue to make it look like you have it all together because you don't want to seem like you're falling apart and you're faking it, then people around you don't feel the authenticity of you. They don't feel when you need help. I mean, let, let's talk about for just a hot second, depression rates and, and how many people we know that struggle with mental health and you had no idea until they were so far down the rabbit hole. Yeah. Because well, we don't talk about it. I've had two friends commit suicide in the last five years. And I'll tell you. I, I lost a cousin. Like, uh, and we had no idea. Like, like, oh, I should have saw this, but it wasn't like, glaring or you would have jumped on it. Well, I mean, and, and so what is that? Let's 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 dive into what's glaring then. Because when, when I started thinking through, okay, what is it that I needed? Um, I started thinking about what does fake mean? So I want to I want to give you the, just the definition of fake. To pretend to practice, to condition yourself, to tolerate negative emotions, to act in spite of emotions telling otherwise. A worthless imitation passed off as genuine. Here's here's the one that hit me the hardest. Imposter. Oh God, yeah. Designed to deceive. I'm like, you wanna know what I struggle with? Imposter syndrome, like a mad dog. It doesn't matter how much success I have, I still struggle with checking myself in imposter syndrome when I walk into important rooms or a really big keynote, or I get a really cool company that I get to do workshops with. I'm like, oh my gosh, but do I belong in that room? That imposter syndrome is real. But why? Why, why is that so real for me? Why is that a bigger struggle for me than a lot that I know? And it makes me think through how many years did I condition myself to just fake it? And feed that imposter syndrome. But I think it's good. And you know why I think it's important? Because if you didn't live it and you got up on stage, there's a certain thing when certain people get up and they've walked the walk and they've been through the pain. When they're speaking, you can see this confident, successful person, but you can also see they get it. There's something about the way they say the words with, with real conviction or their, sure. their message carries depth and weight. It's not frothy, yeah. you know? Whereas yeah. if somebody gets up there and talks to you, about, oh, you should have imposter syndrome, you shouldn't have this and this and that. Sure. And they just gonna tell like, oh, in high school, I was a prom queen. I never, oh yeah, I did this. I was a chilling cat. I did, and I never felt pain. I never, you might say, oh, that's good. And what they're talking about sounds good, but how the hell are you teaching this? Sure, I sure. Well, you're so right. I'm thankful that I've been through the pieces, but 
I don't really wish it on other people, right? Like I, I don't want my well, daughter. There's an elevator that goes down. You can get off the floor, you know, higher floor. You don't have to go so far down. Yes. Um, so then I started, I did start thinking about, you know, what do people need? What does my daughter need? What do I need? What do I hope people, what did, what did my speech and debate coach really mean? What did I really mean when I told students to fake it till you make it? Um, and I really came up with believing, like I, I believed in him. I know he believed in me, my speech and debate coach. He believed that I could walk into that room, which is why he was like, okay, if you don't believe in yourself enough, I'm going to believe in you enough to just push you in there. Right. And that's so true. But the hard lesson learned is that I'm not always going to have that person that believes in me enough to push me in the room when I don't believe in myself. I'm going to have to learn to believe I've got to believe, not fake it, but I've got to believe it. I've got to believe that I can do this. So it doesn't mean, that doesn't mean that I've got to, oh, I'm going to walk into this room and own it, but I've got to believe that I can do this. Uh, and so then I, I looked, what is the definition of believe? Let's just like pit them against each other to consider to be true or honest. So, so if I'm just going to consider that I'm strong enough, what could that look like? If we let ourselves consider that we are good enough to be in that room or consider that we were worthy of showing up, then we're, then we're not having to fake it. And we're, we're instantly switching our mindset and flipping our focus from this imposter syndrome that makes people see us in a way that isn't real, that makes people see, oh, she's, you know, confident. She's got it all together. I can't tell her my sad story. I can't share my struggles with her. So then I feel like there's nobody around me that I can share my struggles with. And then you want to talk about depression growing in a deep, dark hole, like ask somebody to just keep faking it versus believing it because believing it also means to accept something is true to hold as an opinion. It can be my opinion. I can believe that my opinion of myself is different than your opinion of me. And I can own my opinion and step forward differently. You, you cannot like me. You can think that I'm going to be a crock of crap or say nothing from the stage. That's going to be great. But if I believe that I've got something beautiful to share, that's going to get you a lot farther than faking it, right? Um, but having value and ability to do something, that's where you tap into believing versus faking. I also think that by believing, you're putting, you're coming forward with, I mean, if you don't believe it, you're faking it. Even if the, even if you're just as good either way, when you think you're faking it till you make it, there's that, it's just that veil of like lack of authenticity comes through. But if yeah. you do the same thing, you have the same talent, but you do it from a place of belief, there's a sparkle in people's eye. Like when, you know, that in fact, I always say a God factor. When you look at somebody's eye, you can tell if they have, and it doesn't teach your own religion, whatever, but there's something out there in every man, woman, and child that's different. There's just a spark when somebody has that connection to something greater. And, you know, they say that faith is a grain of mustard seed. If I, I don't have to be, I don't have to believe I'm perfect at something. I just have to believe that there's a good chance I might get it. Even a small chance. It's just going to be a grain of mustard seed. If I can have Beautiful. that faith, it'll work. Beautiful example. Yeah. Well, I, I think love that's that. excellent what you do. And I think teaching people in corporate, the corporate world is so important because so many of us feel like imposters. I mean, I know that when I go on, I don't go on a lot of the award ceremonies. I usually finish in the top five in the country, but I don't go for that reason. I don't want to get up. I, I don't want people to be like, yeah. oh, that was a junkie. Now look, he came in number one. Oh, that guy. Oh my God. You know, his story. For whatever reason. And like, there's also a part of me is like, screw them. I'll go. But that, for whatever reason, there's never that in between. There's that, that right there. there's either the arrogant guy who comes out because he's hurt. Right. And, or there's the guy who's so fearful, but there's never a guy who says, you know what? Some people are going to think I was a junkie and I was. Some people are going to think I was a criminal. I was, but today I'm a good guy. That guy doesn't ever show up. So I, I don't go. I mean, next year will be the I, first. That is, I love that you said that. And the coach in me wants to unpack this conversation <laughs> in a coaching call so hard. <laughs> but I love that you shared it because that's what makes you real and authentic. Uh, and I'm sure that that's why your listeners uh, tune into you is because you're real and authentic, uh, which is the hope, right? The hope is that if we flip from fake it as you make it to believe it as you brave it, uh, you can show up better, not just for yourself, but others around you. So the next deep dive is, um, and of course, it's, it's all going to keep playing together. But if we keep tearing the sentences apart, the next thing you pit against each other is until you versus as you, right? So fake it until you make it or believe it as you brave it. So if we, if we tear apart and tell you versus as you, you're going to get thinking through and tell you is, okay, if I can just 
make it through college. And I literally had a coaching call with a college girl yesterday who's applying for this national program. She's freaking out. She's like, if I could just make it to the end of this, that's an until you mentality. Enduring. You know what? Until you mentality gets you taking 21 hours in college and not ever enjoying life, right? Until you is surviving your children's first years because they're hard and forgetting to enjoy those moments. And then, and then surviving toddler stages and then surviving junior high. Like if you're always in the until you life, oh, if I can just work, get this project done, then I can breathe. You are never going to breathe. You are never going to enjoy the journey and you are going to struggle with the journey. You're going to struggle with finding joy. So that as you, man, that's like a, we're going to be in the thick of it. And, and you know, you're, you're talking about the changes you made in your life. Talk about an impactful time to enjoy the journey so that you can recognize the growth you're making on your journey. Yeah, as you I, I like that you said that because I never even thought I've never even heard the as you comment before. Everybody knows that until you, I always said like um when I I always say when I when I have the house paid off I'll be able to breathe like, breathe right. when I you know save enough for the kids' college I can breathe when I when I right. or, you know, I'll do that and then one day I realized I'm like I have this yep. carrot that I keep moving further away and I haven't found the last handful of years for me were enduring. I love what I do for work and I love when I'm with my daughter, but everything else has just been enduring at best. And it wasn't until I started thinking, you know what? I deserve to be happy. I deserve, I'm going to roll the dice and I'm going to go I, rather than play it safe and do what I know. I'm going to roll the dice on faith. that You know, there's something that there is happiness out there. And that means as I'm going for this happiness or living this life, I have to be willing to understand. I'm going to walk through a lot of stressful times, but you can't right. avoid pain. You know, you can avoid misery, but you can't avoid right. pain. And right. uh, I love that. I never thought of it that way, but it, it's as you, because life's going to go and you're either going to enjoy it and yeah. grow with it and feel the pain and yeah. be present or you're going to yeah. keep pushing it away. Well, you, I love that you brought up the, your business piece of it, because one of the things that I, when I do work with companies, which I, I don't always talk about fake it till you make it versus believe it as you brave it. Um, the people priority podcast is really built on. And what my, some of my bigger keynotes are communication, connection, and confidence. And I know that you and I had talked about that too, but how do you build relationships? How do you communicate with your people? How do you show up as a confident self and make people believe in you, make your team believe in themselves? Like there's all these pieces of that also. Um, so that also is floating around in my brain. So I can tell you right now that uh, there is a huge issue in corporate world with celebrating the wins. And matter of fact, you want to know the number one reason people leave their job? It is lack of recognition and celebration. It isn't money. It's the fact that they are never recognized. But what do you see in corporate world? Exactly what you just said. We keep, okay, we got to make it through to this um, success space. We've got to reach that goal. We've got to accomplish this project. We've got to get these clients. And, and if you're just waiting until the end to celebrate your people, there's going to be a next project right after that. So you, if you don't take time to celebrate. It's now what? It's just, all right, now what? Now what? Now what? Right? And I'm as guilty, I'm more guilty than most. I mean, I never take time to celebrate anything with me. Marcus, I'll get on a call with him. He's like, but you just had a crazy week. He's like, you did last week what some people doing a year. Why aren't you excited? I'm like, well, it's not, that's yesterday's game. It's what do I do today? And he's like, right, you got to celebrate some wins. Now with my staff, I'm a little better, but I'll go in and pump yeah. them up and make them feel good because I want them to feel good. Sure. Uh, but, but you know what that leads to, Ryan? Oh, burnout. Yep, hundred percent. I've been on burnout for a long time. Just starting to come back around now and get more into it because now I'm starting yeah. to enjoy life a little. I'm taking more time with my daughter. I'm not working. Yeah, good, good for but, you. Um, for a long time, it was six a.m. to nine p.m. If I was home, I'd be yeah. kissing the head while she's sleeping. Get up. There was just no fulfillment. And uh, well, and I love that you said that that you're doing it for yourself, but you're better for others. Because when I talk about communication, connection, and confidence in the, the workspace, there's two angles that I work through those three pillars. And the first one is self. And then the second one's others, right? Because I mean, for the same reason, if you're not showing up as your best self, you cannot help your people be their best self. For the same reason that you get the, the talk on the airplane from the safety <laughs> yeah, announcement or the beautiful person in the front giving you the display uh, examples. Who do you put the oxygen mask on first if they are to fall from the ceiling? Yeah, if you got to put it on yourself. Because if you're dead, you can't help other people, right? Like that's just the, the reality of it. Um, so when you're- too. Uh, Oh, 100%. 
100%. In fact, if you're emotionally dead and you're still alive, you're more of a drain on people. Like when I'm in that zone where I'm like, I drain everybody's energy right out. Sure. In the room. I mean, oh, I don't sure. get like that often, but when I'm in that zone, it's like, yeah. watch out. Yeah. So if we're going to talk about you for a second, not just you, but like listeners to you, but Ryan, we can talk about you too, if you want. In coaching world, you've got this ideal self and this real self, right? So if I have an ideal self, what does that person look like? Maybe she's extra confident. Maybe she is pulling these incredible things in business and in mom life, whatever it is. And then, and then classifying, okay, what is real self? Where am I struggling at? And then creating a plan that fills that gap. Okay. So that is probably predominantly what we do in the coaching world is helping people get to that next step. I'm helping you see what obstacles are in your way and helping you show up as your best self, knowing that you have incredible things already inside of you. There's nothing wrong with you. We don't need to fix you. Uh, you need to just figure out what obstacles are in your space. And we do that together, but what does that look like? So if I'm, if I'm reaching towards ideal self from real self, and I've got this progress points along the way, right? Like, cause it takes time. Just like if we're going to accomplish a big goal in a company, it's going to take time. It doesn't happen overnight if it's a good one. So what happens in that space becomes drag. Like if we don't stop and celebrate, look, we made it to this place in the journey. Look at the progress we're making. I'm so proud of myself. I'm so proud of you. And if you aren't demonstrating that as a leader, if you're not demonstrating that as a parent, your kids, your workers, your team, they're taking notes and they're not celebrating and they're not seeing progress. And, and they're just moving from project to project or you know accomplishment to accomplishment without ever feeling fulfilled, which is going to get you wrapped up in the until you, there is never an end versus the as you and believing in and loving and enjoying and finding joy in life in the journey, because there's always going to be this change. We, there's tons that we cannot dictate that happens in a day uh, or in our lives. And if we're looking at the until you mentality, it's going to hit you like a bag of rocks when you weren't sitting in the journey and enjoying or finding the good in or celebrating the little wins, even if you had a crappy day in the as you. Yeah. It's funny. Um, I agree wholeheartedly. I didn't realize it until it was almost too late. And then I stopped, stopped looking at dolls and cents. I think so many of us, I know when I coach guys, they don't see that, you know, if you want to be here and you're here, you're not going to just leave. And so many people think, expect that leapfrog. Sure. They, they give up. Or like, I mean, you must see this all the time or people get some progress and they have, you know, one, you know, let's say there's 10 steps between A and B. They may have like the first one might come easy. It might be, a, you might do 30% of it in the first jump. But the second one might only be 2%, you know, and because they didn't measure up to that 30% jump, they throw in the yeah. towel. Yeah. That's why coaching is so important. When somebody works with somebody like you, right. like, hey, here's what I did. Here's where I am. Okay. Yeah. Well, you did this. Look at this. Don't tell me wait, what you did last time. Look how good right. you did this time. Right. That's really hard. I mean, if, if I didn't have somebody like Marcus throwing in my face, like the progress I've made, I mean, right. I would just sit there and it's just never enough. I call it the now what's. Now sure. What? Well, and talking about never enough, I mean, story about me, I, my very first national champion, uh, as a teacher, I remember telling a friend the night that we won, oh my gosh, I got lucky. And what if everybody thinks I'm supposed to be able to do this again? And instantly I was like, holy crap. I wasn't supposed to coach a national champion. A I was right. Like, like instantly, holy crap. That was an accident. I faked it so well. Now they think I'm a really good coach and they're going to expect me to be a really good shoot, right? Like yeah. in my mind, and I can't, that's just a silly example, but in my mind that has happened to me. I've done it to myself over and over again. And, and fun fact, I did have another national champion. I was a good coach. We Zero. were ranked in the nation well. Like I had 120 kids that I still keep up with because they're incredible. Like I, there's so many beautiful pieces of that, that until I could look at the journey and enjoy the moments that one, the national champion isn't even the most important part of teaching in that space. Uh, but two, it's the role you play. I, I was doing a great job, but I was the one. And then what are my kids picking up on? Right? Like I, I was, but then I didn't want them to think that they weren't good. So, so then I'm just going to keep faking it. People feel that crap, right? Yeah. Well, you draw you, the, when there's, was that little, like that veil, like I said, you're drawing a little bit of a distance between the person, person and you. Whereas if you're really authentic, there might be some pain, but you feel it together. I, I mean, well, I, I, you I, know, I, I'm, 
I'm really good. And I know you are too, because you've made comments about it. I'm really good for other people. And I can show a mirror to you and be like, look how strong you are. Look how incredible you are. Uh, and, and I can convince them of the things that they can do. But for the same reason that you're still doing coaching, and I, I have a coach too, like because I need somebody to hold that mirror up for me. But I know that about myself, which is part of my ideal to real self-growth that I'm investing in. Yeah. It's, I mean, it's so, so, so important. And I loved how you said that thing about the hitting the goal and then being like, I, 2019, I had a record year. And then I remember the, as soon as I thought, wow, we finished number one, then my next thought is, holy crap, I got to sustain this. Yeah. And uh, in the next couple of years, years <laughs> next year wasn't that good. I was probably nine. Yeah. So I felt, you know, then in that year after, I was probably, I don't know, the top five. And then last year, we were one again. And then going into this year, I thought to myself, you know what? I'm not worried about sustaining this. I've got a lot of life change going on at home. I That's don't good. care if I go down. So That's as long healthy. as I'm in the top 10, I don't feel like I'm falling off a cliff. Sure. Right now, I'm probably in the top three, but I'm definitely not going to finish number one and I'm completely okay with it. Yeah. But to get there, you know, the goal, the job of a coach is to get somebody there. Or when you speak as a keynote speaker is to show somebody how to get there without all the pain that we had to feel to get there. Right. You know what I mean? Because we learn lessons. Eventually, you surrender to the universe of the lessons because we can't outwill God. I mean, I can make right. this happen. I used to say, well, God can have his will, I'll have my will, and I'll, I'll get it. And, and mm. sometimes I get it. He, sometimes I got everything I wanted, everything I prayed for, I got. And he probably sat back and laughed like I told you. Um, and now I've learned to just take what, you know, I give my best, but I want what the universe gives, what I'm meant to have. Sure. I think that's well, that's big. Yeah, it is big. And well, and you, you said um, that just sitting in that mentality of, you know, what am I going to do next year? Like we, we both, yeah. we both have struggled with it. And I know that we're not alone because statistics studies show uh, that 62% of Americans admit to faking it till they made it through life. I mean, that's, that that's a huge 62%. So 62% listeners, of us have wasted time, wasted so much time and energy and, and loss of joy. And, and, and you know what? I didn't really talk about this much. What this led me with, what this led to for me was I struggled with depression, like really heavy uh, for a long time. And I like, wh why did I sit in that space so hard? And, and I remember feeling completely alone. I remember feeling like there was no one I could talk to about it. And I tried talking to a couple people and they were like, you're fine. Get it together. And those couple people have always only seen me fine, possibly, right? So, so to them, I was fine and I was having a bad day. For me, it was a, a really dark, scary hole. And suicide had been something that had happened in my family. So I'm trying to be aware of being so sad that I don't remember the last hour and how long I'd laid on the floor and cried. Like real depression but nobody to talk to about it because I had done such a good job of faking it. That nobody wanted to believe that I could possibly be in that space because I made everything look good. But just because it looked good doesn't mean it is. I, I remember, so I was diagnosed bipolar about 10, 12 years ago. And I mm. remember I was in depression at one point and I said to a buddy of mine, I'm like, dude, I'm just having the hottest time I can. I just can't keep doing this every day. I wake up and I'm like, God, why'd you wake me up again? And He's mm. like, you can't be depressed. Like, dude, you, I mean, dude, you have a gorgeous house, great business. You got the right. dog you always wanted. Like, he, he rivaled off 10 things. And I was like, I'm, I'm depressed, buddy. I want to blow my brains out to clean out the other side of my head. So I, you can tell me I can't be. Um, you know, and I, the, the marriage I was in, I wasn't able to really talk about. If I was off like that, she wasn't very good about it. But I have like a handful of friends that are really good about that. That if I do hit a depression, and I've been very lucky over the last couple of years, um, I've learned ways to get, one of the things I coach people on most is guys that are like, you know, how to get through depression, how to get through drug addiction, because yeah. it's a formula. If you get out of bed, you roll hit your knees, you pray, you work out, meditate, journal. doesn't mean you're not going to be depressed ever. It means that you won't sit in it as long and you'll, yeah. be, you'll make progress. You'll get out of it quicker. What could have been a 10 day depression might be a two day depression. Right. And those are the things for me that, that really matter is the formula. Like a, I'm, a, I'm one of those people that your routine defines you. I'm just. Sure. Yeah. That's beautiful too. I love so that. Let me ask you a question. So you, you talk about, you know, make the belief factor, which yeah. is there any system or a formula or is anything you do to take, like, say, say a, a 50 year old woman called you or a 40 year old woman who's in business and says, you know what, I'm crushing it. I've got kids. Life is good. Why do I feel this way? 
Mm. Well, one, I want to say this because I think it's really important. There's a huge difference between coaching and counseling. So as a coach, I don't deal with things that need to go to a counselor because there, there's a whole different skill set there. Um, and I say that in all my paperwork because uh, I'm not equipped for that. My master's is in executive coaching and consulting, and I want to take care of people. I don't want to pretend that I have all the tools for that. And I do think that you're right. And the codes that you shared are helpful. Um, they're also helpful to me. I can personally tell when I work out that my mind is better. Um, so I, I don't just work out for health reasons for my body. I work out for my mind too, right? Like I can tell. Um, I also have learned about myself. If I don't take time to be by myself and just refuel, uh, everybody sees me as this outgoing extrovert, but the reality is there's a little bit of an introvert in there. And if I don't take time away from people to refuel, I know that my husband knows that about me and he can be like, Hey, you, you might need some time. Like he could feel like coming on. Yeah, there are, crazy. there are systems that I have in place, but my systems might be different than yours, but there's still a root cause. I believe not always, uh, in the world of mental health, but there's, there's a root cause that can help you understand your triggers and help you work through them. Much like I'm working through, oh my gosh, this fake it tell you make it helped push me into those holes. Um, and, and I want to, I know that we're running a little bit low on time. So I do want to just dive into the make it versus brave it. Can we do that yeah. before? Because yeah. I think it's still impactful. I want to define make it just like we did fake it because I think it's so interesting. Looking at the definition of make it, it's to pull it off, to succeed, to thrive, to achieve, to accomplish, to cause to happen. And I'm like, that that for sure feels a little bit like pressure, right? So fake it until you figure it out. You fake it till you are successful. You get your crap together until you have achieved the things that, that we, we're going to set out to achieve. That is heavy. And when you're thinking fake it till you make it, no wonder I'm like, well, I need to be successful. I'm just going to fake it until I win. Well, what if I don't win? What if I don't pull off the amount of money I was going for? What if we don't make that project perfectly? What if we don't get that bid? Then am I worth nothing? Because that is going to contribute to you falling right back into that deep hole. It's going to tr contribute to you needing to fake something harder next time because you didn't make it. But if I look at the definition of brave it, that means having or showing mental or moral strength to face danger, fear, or difficulty. So maybe it's a challenge that I'm facing that helps us, Ryan, that helps us celebrate that we showed up. That helped us celebrate that we put our heart into it. We did our best and maybe we weren't the right person for the job. Maybe we didn't get the bid because although we did our very best, it wasn't meant to be, but we bravely moved forward. Another, another piece of that definition is having or showing courage to face or endure with courage. What if, and I want to ask you this because I think it's a beautiful question for us all to sit in for just a second. What if making it meant you were brave through something difficult and you showed up with courage rather than you accomplished and achieved? What would life feel like if we looked at it through the brave it lens versus the make it lens? It'd be a huge difference. I mean, think about that. So much of it, everything's result oriented. Well, now there's two ways of looking at life nowadays. Everything's either results driven and you don't, right. unless you succeed, you didn't succeed. Right. Or there's the other extreme where they give a trophy to everybody and nobody really, there's, oh my gosh. it has to be like that medium where you get a trophy if you show up and you give it hundred percent. Not if you just show up, but if you give a hundred percent, there has to be something to be said for like, cause the, your character is like, you know, it's, it's really, it's made like, it's like that piece of steel on the hot fire. It's defined. It's created by when you go through tough stuff. That's where yeah. your character comes from. If, if winning, it doesn't matter if you win. If you win easy, it's like that. That gets right. adversity. And it's often some of the best things that have ever happened to me were my failures. I thank God every day for my adversities. At the beginning of the day, at the end of the day, I say thank you for the adversities because that's going to make me who I am. And that's that's what also makes me more compassionate, more understanding, and more take pride in in my craft because there are times clients come in and there are people new people coming on board i can half ask it they're gonna give me the money because they know i'm good at what i do and they've been referred to us and the relationships there and but i don't i show up and i give them my best just like i would if i was chasing their business because that's what happened and there are times where i don't get clients and some of the clients i don't get the best ones i didn't get because they don't belong with us and that's mm. why before a client 
God mm-hmm. me to service these clients while growing our yeah. business to take my selfish ways out of it. Because yeah. I've learned that sometimes you get these clients and you make it happen. And then years yeah. later, you shouldn't have been with you and you shouldn't be with them. Sure. I love that. I would never have thought of that because um, I just, I wouldn't have, but I, I like that because I think that we don't get enough credit just for giving our best. Well, and I, I mean, think about the world that we live in today. You're so right. I love the comparisons that you, that you brought up. But one thing you said earlier was you move the carrot, which is one of my problems. And, and honestly, people probably listening, there's a lot of high achievers sitting in your space or in your industry, at least. And what high achievers are known for, one of our biggest issues is moving our carrot. Like, well... I thought I'd be successful if, if I was doing this kind of business, but now that I'm doing that kind of business, I really think I should be doing this. We never stop moving the carrot. We we move the bar all the time as high achievers, which puts you again back to the we're not enjoying the journey. We're just we're just kind of pushing through and we're celebrating. Well, we, and then we're teaching a generation under us that you lead, wh- whether you're a leader in the boardroom, the classroom, or your living room. You're teaching somebody your habits. So are your habits in leadership habits you hope your kids have? Habits you hope the next person who replaces you as a CEO when you retire someday? Habits that you think the kid you mentor should take on? Is this how you want it to be? Because moving the carrot, that teaches you some struggles in the mental health zone. Life's always a struggle if you do that. And and the, the bad part is the longer we do that and we live in that way, yeah. that's one of the hardest things I struggle breaking. And it's an ongoing struggle because yeah, I'll get back too. into it. Even the first thing Marcus said, I would talk at this point. He's like, how was last week? I said, it was, I was all right. You know, I did all right. What do you do? Did you take on any clients? Yeah, this, this, and this. He's like, man, all right. He goes, I teach, speak around financial offices every day. He goes, you, that, that's insane. I'm like, yeah, whatever. I mean, th- that doesn't define me. And, and I can, now I don't get as wrapped up in the dollars and cents. So that's probably why. But for sure. a while, it was just never enough. And if it was enough, it was enough for last week. And I think mm-hmm. robbing ourselves out of a lot of joy. Uh, and what you just said, it's never <laughs> enough. Never enough. If it's never enough, we are robbing ourselves of joy. And and I, I can imagine, because I work with companies, that this is my struggle too, or their struggle with what my content, is they are data-driven. We, we are a to-do list, data-driven society. But the reality is, if we don't pour into the people, if we don't make the people the priority who are checking those to-do lists at work for us, who are creating those projects for us, who are connecting with those clients for us, you're going to lose your people. Exactly. So for for sure, define never enough and not having joy. Because if your people, and, and I posted this just the other day, Oh my gosh, I've got to read you this statistic. Uh, 78% of employees spend more time with coworkers than they do family. So in the workspace, I mean, think about it. If you were to make a pie chart about who you spend your days with, your coworkers are, are most, for most of us, 78% for sure, who you see more of. And when I was teaching, I, I can't tell you how many parents were like, you spent more time with my kid than, than I do. And that was absolutely true. We traveled every other weekend. I had some of those kids, two and three class periods a day. They would come to practice after school. I absolutely was seeing your yeah. kids more than you were. Of course. So who is breathing life into you? And if your coworkers are the people you're spending the most time with, are you surrounded by negative Nancy's? Is your leader pushing you so hard and never celebrating? As a leader, how are you leading? Do your people want to be in that space with you? Because that is an important piece to building relationships first and not just becoming data-driven. And we're just going to, until we make it. If you push so hard, I mean, that creates a society that you said, right? Uh, Just these high achievers who are always moving the bar. But then But then it also creates, let's think about this for a second. It also creates people who are like, I will never be enough. And if you're never enough, you start giving up. And when you keep giving up, now you're fighting for a participation trophy because you know you're never going to get the trophy. So that is exactly why our society is sitting in these two spaces. We don't focus on people as much as we should. And and I'm just a huge advocate for making people your priority. Well, I think it has to be because if you don't focus on people, your business just gets weak. And it, it, 
life went from this. It went from a people business in all in every aspect. Then it went to computers and technology, more computers and technology. And I don't care what you say, it's going back to people because we're all tired of computers and technology. Mm. Most people want to deal with like a live, I'm a financial service guy. So I had to do financial advising, wealth management. People can go online and replace me with a computer. They don't want to. Right. People go online and literally type in this situation and replace somebody like you or me in the coaching world or even a speech with AI. They don't yeah, want they I know. want somebody who not even though that AI can tap into a experience that they read about somebody went through this and now yeah, here's this, and they can have like a computer generated. They want a human being. And how you make it, like the reason our business is successful here, very little to do about business. Uh, the lady at the desk, her only job is to to talk to people and connect with them. I don't mm -hmm. care what, I don't want her doing anything but answer the phone and having coffee with people. And when I catch her doing other stuff, I threaten to fire her. She's like a second month <laughs> in her 70s. Your job at this point life is to come here and be happy. The, the, you do the face of joy for us. Yeah. yeah. The girl yeah. handles the paperwork and the processing. Her job is to process things, paperwork, connect well with people. Every so often, if she puts too much on the desk for the other girl, I'll threaten her well being. But not not like physical well-being, but I mean like, <laughs> like I want them to stay in their lane and I want them not to be overwhelmed and trying to do too much. Yeah. I want it to stay very manageable and a pleasant experience. I could run this office. I got five people that work here full time. I could do it with me and just the old woman. That's it. It'd be fine. But I choose to have these other people because by having these little role plays, one, nobody's overwhelmed. So they're always smiling when they see a client. And two, it gives these people who are quality people a way to earn a living doing something they enjoy doing. And they belong, each of them plays a role in my life at an emotional level. But I mean, people say, well, you could run, you're not very efficient. I mean, my office costs probably this place, this shop here, probably about 40 something a month to run. I could run it at 25 grand, maybe 30. But that extra 15 or so, I get it back tenfold because the vibe mm. was awesome, the fulfillment. And so I think one of the things that you hit me with so much today was really like, I remember once I went on this religious retreat. And you drew down your priorities on a pie chart. Like my yeah. family was 90% to me. Business was 80, you know, whatever. I'm 80, to, then business was 15. And then I don't know how I had it, but I can tell you this. Or maybe God was 80. And then the business, you know, I, how it worked out was business was 90% of my time. Because then you had to draw a chart of where your time was spent. Yeah. 5% was probably God. 5% was family. Like, it was like, whoa. So I'm a yeah. fraud because I am not living my truth. But now I've gotten better at it. I'm not perfect, but I do a lot more time. Like my little one, I think I told you she has autism. She yeah. has special schools like five towns away. I drive her in the mornings, most mornings. I spend time when she wants to be home. I do go home. Last night a client was calling. He wants to come in and move money. And I'm I'm happy he wants to move money. But I text him. I'm with my daughter. He's like, okay, let's just, just call me back. We'll set up a time. I go, I'll call you tomorrow. He's like, no, just give me a call tonight. You know, I don't care if she's in the background. I go, I do. That was it. I do. Like, yeah. It's just, she's important. And my priorities have gotten, because it's like, I realize they go away faster. I think life yeah. goes. Yeah. And I think it's easy to your point. It's so easy to get caught up in goals that we have and work. Uh, but it, it's really important to think about. And I, I do a thing too with clients and, and with companies that I work with where you create your legacy lens and you, and you think about how do you want to be remembered? Because the reality is we are all going to be remembered, good, bad, or ugly. The question is how. And I can't say I just want to be remembered as kind if I don't do kind things every day, yeah. right? Like that's not reality. So I love that you're putting that uh, to place. You're giving that a place uh, and, and actually following through. I think that's that's beautiful. Well, I I loved getting to, to talk with you. You have so many beautiful pieces to what you do in your journey and uh, how, how impactful you are. Uh, and I love that so much of what we talked about resonated with you too, because it's really, really close did. to heart. It was nice because oftentimes, you know, how people on, I don't always understand. I mean, I can always usually find some kind of common ground, but this was great. Um, it was, you're speaking my language. And it's funny though, when I, when I saw you and we met, I would have never pieced that together with that, that, you know, fake it side. Right. And that's what they say. Right. I mean, I had a meeting probably a month ago and this lady was like, it looks like you're doing so well and you have it all together. And I'm like, oh, sister. Like, like, let's just pull down. Let's just pull down the curtains so that you get real authentic. Like, I am, and I, I think I did a post not long after that. Like, this is me, but this is also me. And it's like me, like completely ravaged, and I'm like after a workout. Like, life is real, and and if somebody looks like they've got it all together, chances are 
they're struggling in their own way. So one, I think words of wisdom, if we were to wrap it up, words of wisdom are one, don't judge a book by its cover. We've heard that a million times, but but usually we pair that with, uh, I won't I won't judge that guy on the side of the road um, by his cover, or I, I won't judge that parent who does, isn't parenting well, but who knows what they're going. But we we definitely judge the person who looks like they're all together. Yeah, we judge the people who look like, oh my gosh, they got it all right. Like we we judge that book too. They're all books with multiple chapters and lots of insides. You need to show up as your best self because then you will attract people who show up as their best self. And real authentic you is way better than put together always you. But I get it. I get if we're going to be put together because I don't let people in easily, like whatever whatever you're saying in your brain, that is fine. But at least for yourself, be true to your own self. When you are when you are doing your thing, ask yourself, am I faking it until I make it? Or am I able to believe it as I brave it? Because it will help you just turn to be a little more authentic. It'll take care of the demons that can come from faking it till you make it. And it for sure sets a beautiful example for those who are watching you lead. Julie, I loved it. Thank you so much. Let me ask you, I'm just putting out there. We're going to put it on, on uh, social media and whatnot, but if somebody wants to get in touch with you, how do they go about it? Yeah. Well, my website is Julie Schneers, and that's spelled S-C-H-N-I-E-R-S. I know it's strange. JulieSchneers.com. Uh, and my email is linked there. I'm on Instagram as Julie Schneers and LinkedIn and Facebook. I gave up on Twitter and TikTok, but I am on Instagram and Facebook and LinkedIn. I love all those spaces. There's there's so much beauty in the people that I've met in those spaces. Uh, and I have my own podcast called The People Priority, and we focus on those three pillars. Every episode is something about communication, something about connecting with yourself or others, and something about or something about confidence. So you, you get a little bit of all of it. But the idea behind everything that I put out is that we are all leaders. We are leaders in our space to our circle of influence. Like I said earlier, whether your circle of influence is the boardroom or your classroom or your living room, we are all leaders. So how do we show up as our best self? And that's that's the heart of it, making yourself and the people that you influence the priority. Julie, so. you're awesome. Thank you very much. Awesome. This is so fun. Thank you.